0: From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. From the moment the pandemic began, uncovering the origins of COVID-19 has been a fraught pursuit. Attempts to investigate where the virus originated have been impeded by a chaotic White House under Donald Trump and obscured by the Chinese Communist Party's desire to keep information tightly controlled. As a result, theories, some more viable than others, have flourished, including the hypothesis that COVID-19 was deliberately leaked from a lab in Wuhan. The Wuhan lab leak theory has been given new prominence thanks to a controversial book written by Australian journalist and Sky News commentator Shari Markson. Today, writer and contributor to the Saturday paper Linda Javen on the credibility of Markson's claims and how ideology has impacted our ability to get to the truth of how this pandemic first started. It's Wednesday, October 20. Uh, last time we spoke, you ran me through some of the different theories that were being discussed about the origins of COVID-19. Now there is a new and somewhat controversial book that has been released about that very topic. It's receiving a lot of attention. Can you tell me about the book? Sure. It's called What Really Happened in Wuhan?
1: It was my great honour today to host a virtual launch for Shari Markson's new book, What Really Happened in Wuhan. It is a fantastic
2: book. It's written by Shari Markson, who is the investigations editor at The Australian and a regular on Sky News and a winner two times of Walkley's. Uh, It is about the origins of COVID-19, the search for the origins, I should say
1: of international significance. And it's great to welcome Sherry Markson to the program once again. Sherry, congratulations on the launch today, on the book. As you know, I've read every page of the book.
2: It tells us a lot about the politics behind the search for the origins... It goes into the science, but more on the side that Shari Markson is on. She is firmly on the side of the debate that this virus leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology.
3: Chris, Persley, thank you so much. It was an honor to have you host the event today, and you did such a brilliant job, uh, as you always do. And you asked very insightful questions. And if anyone wants to catch up,
0: and, and as you mentioned, the author, Shari Markson. She's a journalist. She works at The Australian. She also has a, a show on Sky. But how did she come to be writing this book, a book about the origins of COVID-19? What's her connection to the topic?
2: Mm. Uh, it's a good question. I mean, her she does have a personal... Connection and it's a very sad one. Her grandmother died of COVID 19 in England, but that was relatively recent. She was already well into the research of this book. Uh, what exactly sparked it, I'm not sure. But I think that the fact that this story had a very strong uh, anti communist China element, had an anti Hu element, anti Fauci element, all of this fits in with a general worldview of the sky after dark crowd and, you know, the new cold warriors generally. So I think it's, it's in a way, it's a logical fit.
0: Mm. So let's dig into some of the detail of what's in her book. Does she have much to say about how the US and the White House under Trump approached this? Yes, that's, that's, <laughs>
2: that's the part that I honestly seriously enjoyed. Um, I would call that the what really happened in Washington sections.
3: Mr. President, what evidence were you presented with that convinced you that it did in all likelihood come from a lab?
1: Well, I started hearing stories that you have also that there were lots of body bags outside of the lab.
3: Body bags outside of the Wuhan Institute of Virology?
2: I heard that a long time ago. Um, So she has incredible contacts, as you might imagine, for somebody who works for the Murdoch Empire, inside uh, the Trump
1: White House.
3: Was that something that came from the agencies, the intelligence agencies? Is that what they were telling
1: you? I don't know where it came from, ask China, but you're going to have to figure that out and you probably will be able to do it, knowing you.
3: President Trump told me that there were body bags
2: outside... The- uh, Mike Pompeo speaks to her, the leading China advisor Miles Yu. Uh, who's a military historian and Ronald Reagan fan, whose passion for exposing the Communist Party she finds admirable. She also talks to Pete Navarro, uh, whose White House office, she tells us, contained a stockpile of hydroxychloroquine to last the entire Trump family a lifetime. And then there's David Asher.
3: David Asher also agrees that this could have been the first cluster of the pandemic.
1: I said, we could have, you know, our, the whole world could have been different. It would have been like stopping 9-11 before it happened. Who
2: led the State Department's investigation into COVID-19 and characterizes doubters of, quote-unquote, China's sinister intention in Wuhan within the American intelligence community, including their bioweapon specialists, as Dilberts, Dimwits, and Do-Nothings. The good thing about Markson is that while... <laughs> she is definitely on the side of the of the new Cold Warriors and uh all of that. But she is also um cognizant, which you might not know from watching the um I've seen some of the clips on uh YouTube of the Sky News bombshell revelations about Wuhan.
1: They silenced journalists and disappeared some of that. It won't stop there.
2: What led you to believe this came from a Wuhan lab? It was obvious there were body bags. She also, in the book, she'll have these bombshell movements and these explosive revelations, but then she will eventually get to an actual expert who will say, "Mm, yeah, but nah.
3: He, of course, uh, suspected it was a deliberate release, which uh, no one else I have interviewed thinks, everyone else thinks, including Trump,
2: that it was accidental. Uh, The fact that he... So that's... (laughs) I do give her credit for that. So... What it comes down to, and this is where it begins to go slightly wrong, is it comes down to the weight of circumstantial evidence. Now, the question is, what of that circumstantial evidence is reasonable and worthy of thinking about and what isn't? So that is the question, and it's one that has to be asked of this book.
0: Linda, we've been talking about Shari Markson's new book, which is focused on the origins of COVID-19 and, in particular, this theory that it it came from a lab in Wuhan. Her book lays out what was happening inside the White House under Trump, but she also looks at the other side, how things were unfolding within China. So how credible is she and how credible are her sources on that? Okay, there's some you know, absolute rookie errors like
2: mixing up surnames and given names, whatever. Uh, a few sort of fanciful things about Middle Kingdom and everything else. Uh, now, she has uh, a couple of people she talks to, and one of them is Wei Jingsheng. Wei Sheng spent 18 years in Chinese prisons
3: for standing up to Beijing. In 97, he
2: made global headlines when he
3: defected to the United States.
2: He's a very famous dissident. He was a former Red Guard turned democracy advocate. Wei still has impeccable contacts high up in the party.
3: And they were telling him a virus was spreading in Wuhan in October.
2: He did grow up among the sons and daughters of high-ranking cadres. That's all true. But that doesn't make him, as Marx and claims, a Communist Party insider and one of the founding 500 families.
3: When did you first hear that there was a virus in Wuhan? Was it during the time of the military games?
1: Yes, I learned there was an unusual exercise by the Chinese government during the military games. And so I told Diamond about the possibility of the Chinese government using some strange weapons including biological weapons, because I knew they were doing experiments of that sort.
2: So Wei Jingsheng tells her a couple of things. One is that, and she makes a big deal of it, he tells somebody who tells her that he thinks it's actually possible that COVID-19 was leaked on purpose, possibly by Xi Jinping or his enemies, because anything is possible during a power struggle. And she does put it into the crazy trash, probably reluctantly, because she calls his uh, revelations explosive. I call them classic conspiracy theories. But she loves these things. So she's putting them out there. So this is where it can get a little bit tricky, because you can't put it all out there, call it explosive revelations, walk it back to, you know, the level of like, actually no one in intelligence (laughs) um, thinks that it's, that, that the Chinese released it deliberately, and then go... You know, maybe they released it deliberately. You know, Wei Sheng tells a story. Uh, you have to be able to know how to weight these things.
0: Mm. And how should these things be weighed up, Linda? Taking all of Shari Markson's claims into account and also the context that you have about China and the understanding you have about some of the sources that she's relying on, where are we left? How likely is it that COVID-19 came from a lab in Wuhan? and If that is a viable hypothesis, is it also possible that there was some sort of deliberate plan and that this was something that the Chinese government was involved in?
2: The Chinese involvement is definitely involved in covering up stuff about the virus generally and its spread. We know that. We know that from the suppression of whistleblowers and from the arrest of citizen journalists, okay? And that's their modus operandi. They cover things up, um, especially when it, when you have a, a fatal problem. People are dying. So definitely, yes, there was a cover-up. We can say that for sure. Definitely, the Wuhan lab is a possible source of lab leak. Almost definitely, well, we have no proof whatsoever and no no likely evidence for it being a deliberate leak, okay? Um, and we also, as she points out, viruses have leaked from labs all over the world, <laughs> including the US and the UK.
0: Bearing that in mind then, do you think that this book is contributing to our understanding of how COVID-19 might have emerged at all? Yes and no, Uh.
2: You know, I think you have to really read it with a lot of awareness. Um, You have to understand that her China knowledge is quite, um, it's bitsy and flawed, and her China informants um, are definitely, um, they need to be (laughs) fact-checked, shall I say that. But you know what's really interesting about it? is it reveals the politics behind the search for the origins. It, we can see the power of Chinese dissident narratives in the West among policymakers. We also see that the way the Communist Party of China controls and suppresses information, in this case about the pandemic, creates this kind of clean slate on which anyone can write a conspiracy theory. But, you know, ultimately, we want to ask a couple of things. One is, how can we get away from political polarization, fouling important scientific and medical debates? This book comes from a very, very political place. And so when you say what is the value, we need to be able to get through all of that and know what to believe and what not to and why she might be going for one source and not another source. So we have to be, I think this is one of the big lessons of the book, is that its flaws come from that place. And if we can get away from that place, we might get closer to being able to look at questions like this with clearer eyes.
0: Linda, thank you so much for speaking to me about all of this. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. A quick note from me, I'm taking a short break from the show. Osman Faruqi will be filling in and I'll be back next week. Stay safe. Sloane Crosley is known for her funny and acerbic personal essays. But her new memoir digs much deeper to examine the loss of her best friend. Join me, Michael Williams, as I chat with Sloan about Grief is for People.
1: Find it wherever you listen. Also in the news today... Very good, thanks for joining us. There are 1,749 new cases of coronavirus. Victoria's Premier, Daniel Andrews, has warned that unvaccinated Victorians will not be able to enjoy the freedoms granted to vaccinated people until well into next year. For instance, I'll give you an example. The Grand Prix in April. I don't think there's going to be crowds at the Grand Prix made up of people who have not been double-dosed. In a press conference on Tuesday, the Premier warned that restrictions on the unvaccinated could stretch into 2022. I'm not going to say to someone, oh, look, just wait us out, will you? Just, just, just wait four or five weeks, and then you'll be able to go to the pub. No, if you make the judgment, to not get vaccinated. And New Zealand reported a record number of new COVID-19 cases on Tuesday, with 94 new locally acquired infections. It's the largest number of new cases the country has recorded since the pandemic began. Health authorities have warned that they expect to see an increase in the number of cases in the coming days. The city of Auckland will remain in lockdown for at least another two weeks. I'm Osman Faruqi. This is 7am. am See you tomorrow.